four. And we're live. We're live. Okay. Hey, man. <laughs> it's, it seems to be holding up stream-wise, so, but I'm worried that we're a little out of sync. So can you say anything or? Hello. Good morning. Hello, everyone. Uh, oh, that's okay. All right. All right, we don't have any watching, but this will be good for recording later. So well, the good the good thing about it is is that you know we we have a little bit of fat up front, so if people don't you know join us immediately, so anyway, oh, we got three, we got three people watching. Hey, hi, three people. Hey, hello. Who are you? Oh, this is cool. All We're right. Talking. Wow, that's cool. Brianna, Neil, hi, Neil. Hey, Brianna. This is really neat. Okay, cool. So we are using Be Live this time for the Charlene Harris Developers Podcast, or the One More Story Games Podcast. And wow, that's cool. And who is this guy I'm talking to? This guy or that guy? I'm over there, over here, somewhere. <laughs> Neil is okay. Cool, cool. So we are. I am Blair Leggett. There should be. There's also a chat there somewhere. And uh, this is Neil Halford, my good friend, and and you know, designer extraordinaire, who we'll get into as we talk through. The podcast, but we've got we got four people watching us now. Yay! Hey, people, it's great to meet yeah, you here. Um, so quickly, let's just run through. Are you okay, boys? Okay, I think so. We're we're trying. If uh, it, maybe we're lagged out, if someone can tell us, maybe if we're not communicating or we're doing. Joining us from. <laughs> Neil's volume is low. Okay. Is it any better now? <laughs> I'll just speak louder. Now? All no right. Problem. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Put on uh, your Gandalf voice, Neil. Come on. <laughs> all right. La, 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 la. None shall pass. Okay. <clears throat> Bodo Baggins. Bilbo Baggins. Do not take me for a conjurer of cheap. Oh, sorry. I messed up the line. All right. Okay. Let's focus on the writer we're supposed to be talking about is Charlene Harris. So, um, so this is our fifth podcast and just a quick word and updates. I mean, we've been working away doing a lot of story stuff and synthesizing stuff. Neil will sort of get into some of that as we go through. And, but the other thing to say is that we are now on iTunes and we are on the Google Music Store. So now if you want to listen to our podcast, <laughs> you <laughs> masochist, you, um, you can hear along at home as we're sort of talking about developing these ideas. And um, yeah, you can sort of share along. We hope to make add notes to these podcasts. And uh, but yeah, there we go. So that's just sort of giving you an update. And we'll have more to talk about next week. Gene is not around. I, I maybe yeah. I was I was supposed to have a cutout of Jean, so that's she's she's off in the Maritimes giving a keynote address at a games conference as as you do, and um, so it's just it's just Neil and myself here today, Blair Leggett and Neil Halford. So so there we go. Okay. There so many jokes this week, you know, um, you know. So I don't know, <laughs> but this is but this is good because it lets us talk about game designing and gene will be back next week we'll talk about sort of where we go from here depending on sort of how far we get through today so um this is this is really cool that we do have chats though appearing up on the screen and we can both read them so that that's kind of cool so neil who are you man who am i, I i'm still trying to figure that out myself but you know oh don't um, get all existential on me come on <laughs> wow right um but anyway so hi uh, i'm Neil Holford. Uh, I'm a game designer. I'm a writer. Um, I've been in the computer gaming industry since the dinosaurs died. Um, but no, um, this is this is my 27th year in the game industry. That is awesome, man. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, so I so 
I, I think I got started with New World Computing, which uh, is a game company that made Might and Magic. And uh, uh, my first title that I actually got to work on from scratch was Might and Magic 3. Now, that was still, of course, oh, wow, John, cool. John Van Canigam's, you know, that was his 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 thing. But but uh, I got to come in and I, I started learning the ropes on Might and Magic 3. And okay. So, um but um, you know, I'm mostly known as a swords and dragons kind of guy. You know, which uh, is is for sort of in the middle of my career. I got really irritated by that because everybody says, "Well, you're a you know you're a role playing guy and all this other stuff." And I just thought, you know, I was kind of annoyed by the fact that everybody just kept on hiring me to do the same swords and dragons kind of stuff. So I just well, you get pigeonholed in the games industry, right? It happens. It happened to me. I was I was Mister Jack of all trades. So you know that was uh, hey, well. Great to see you, man. Um, yeah, no, it happens. It happens in acting. It happens in writing. It, it's right. Like that's so you were Mr. Sword and Sorcery, right? Yeah. Well, and, and then I decided to make the pro- fix that problem. So because, you know, to, to, to avoid being stereotyped as a role playing designer, I decided to write a book called Swords and Circuitry, a designer's guide to computer role playing games. But it's um, mostly about RPGs. No, RPGs. <laughs> uh, mostly about RPGs. Uh, but, uh, anyway, so, <laughs> anyway, uh, but, uh, uh, the, the, but, but let's say, uh, that's just been sort of what I've, I'm kind of made my name for, but, but the thing I, I am, I'm best known for beyond just being RPGs is that I'm the story guy, you know, whenever you want to find a storyteller who works really well, to, who also understands the other parts, because I, I started off as a writer. Uh, in in the industry, but over the years, I have I climbed my way up the ladder, and I've held every job in a design department there is to have. So I have done level design, I've done scripting, I've done all of the other stuff. And so, the whenever I need to talk to somebody who's working on the, the system or working on something else, I can say I know what the hell they're talking about. Excuse me, pardon my French, uh, but. No, no, that's fine. That's within the bounds of iTunes explicit, I think. So, um, but, uh, but you know, whenever whenever they're dealing with different, you know, when we're trying to figure out how to integrate the narrative with the game design, I've been down that path, and so I think that's one of my my strengths. Is I, in, um. But uh, it, it, but I always tell people is that, that no matter what I do, because I started off this way, is I'm a writer probably first, and then then everything thereafter. Um, and storyteller, I think, I think you're a storyteller. I think you know that's the. And uh, unlike some people, I don't think that that uh, story. Um, um, how how does story integrate with 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 you know? interaction and all that kind of stuff. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in a little bit. But anyway, that's the nutshell of sort of where I come from and in terms of, of uh, actually, I'll just kind of briefly say, so I'm still trying to figure out how you and I got to know each other or how we connected with each other. That's a good question. I mean, I knew, well, Gene does all this stuff, right? Gene is my <laughs> ultimate connector, right? And I, I think I think it might have been a throw post on, like, the Facebook game writers. I mean, I, I think you've been around in there. Um, Neil Nobby Clark, how does the ideas come to you when you're writing? Oh, that's that's what Harlan Ellison calls that question, okay? How do you get your ideas? <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, I think that... that... The, the 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 story ideas for me can come honestly from anywhere. I I, I would say for the, the early part of my career, a good chunk of stuff just came from dreams. Anyone who follows my Facebook page will will, will, will notice that I frequently post my weird ass dreams. Um, and so I, I have I one or two of yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have an amusement park in my head at, at night. I, I, I wish that I had control over it during the daytime so I could harness it a little more effectively. But yeah. I, uh, but I have a very strange, bizarre dream world. Um, but uh, anyway, so that's that's one of those places. Usually what happens, though, to answer your question, Neil, is usually you're working at a game company and you really don't have a choice on what you work on. Oh, you get right. handed something and go, buddy, go work on this. You know, that's... And- and it depends on 
depends on the game company, depends on sort of what the game culture is. I mean, are you in a company that heavily licenses stuff? Uh, and so, uh, you know, one of the big first games, that I, the, the big game that I'm still best known for is a little game called Betrayal at Crondor. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes, um, which was a licensed property. Uh, but, uh, you know, when we were at New World, there were no IPs. We built the IPs is whatever we built. And so it kind of depends on the culture of the company and yeah. sort of what they're at. Uh, I would say it's harder, honestly, to develop independent IP today uh, than it is in the old days because companies are risk averse. They want to stick with a known quantity. So they want to find a hit book, movie, game, what have you. And so... <laughs> No, Will, it's it's Schenectady. That's that's where Will. That's where uh, Harlan Ellison always said that he uh, he got his ideas from Schenectady. And I, <laughs> I swear, I am at one day I'm going to set up a coffee and bookstore called the Idea Shop in Schenectady. I will get and I will put down, and that will be my library slash bookstore slash. And you can send in, and you, we will send you ideas, folks. So there you go. This is uh... so Neil's asking me what my favorite story that I wrote. Um, uh, in terms of of games and stuff, it's honestly a game that you've never seen. <laughs> um, it was called Elysium, uh, and that's a whole oh, really sad story. Yeah, uh, I, I, one of these days I, I'll tell you that story. But but right. actually, thing was my co-designer on, on Betrayal at Rondor. And that would have been an amazing series. It just, unfortunately, the reality is, is sometimes uh, things blow up. Um, but, yeah. well, I worked at EA and Zynga. Trust me, man. I know where bodies are buried. So, uh, but um, yeah. So, I mean, the emphasis, it's hard enough to find good game designers. I think it's even harder to find game designers that appreciate story and character and you know so much of what i see these days are just you know the the splodies and shooties and and but tell me give me characters that i love tell me a story that is going to stay with me once i played it played the game and i mean that's that's i think the framework that we both arrive at this lily bard project so why, why should I care? And I think it's almost more important in a game than it is. I mean, you can have a really detestable character in a movie. The thing about it is the movie moves along without your participation. You know, you follow their story and everything out with, without being involved. But if I don't have an interesting story, if I don't have other characters, you know, why do I keep playing? You know, sure, you say, okay, well, it's the game mechanics, it's what have you. And I said, I, I'm not one of those people that tends to be driven strongly by game mechanics because it says, okay, after I fought the 300th monster that's been reskinned for the 10th time as slightly different, you know, now it has an ice ice ball rather than a fireball, you know, I don't care. You know, this, this is one of the reasons why I, you know, I, I get frustrated with a lot of, of uh, different kinds of games where it's just like, okay, after you played for the first five levels, then everything's just the same thing, just, you know, different, colors. different colored versions of what you've already seen before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so anyway, I, 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 I'm very big on give me a motivation, give me a reason to keep moving forward, pique my interest, because that was one of the big things with us with, with John, when John Cutter and I, uh, when we, we did Betrayal at Crondor, was uh, the one more chapter syndrome. You know, I'm gonna read one more chapter and one more chapter, one more chapter, and suddenly it's dawn. You know, and, and well, that's and that's what motivated actually. You know, the name of the company, One More Story Games. It's retreating to that time when we're kids and you don't want to go to sleep. You just want one more story to sort of get your parents to sort of read you because you you know. One more story. What a great name that would be for a game company. I'm saying, <laughs> or a podcast. You know. <laughs> So uh, anyway, uh, to kind of delve into, since one of the things we are trying to talk to, uh, talk about here today is talk about uh, obvious, obviously Charlene's universe. And, yeah, 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 yeah. And so um, one of the reasons that, um, that uh, Blair and Jean, I think were kind of interested in bringing me aboard to work on this particular project. And I'm sorry, guys, my nose is driving me crazy today. So I'm sorry if I'm, I'm rubbing my nose too much, but... Um, 
but one of the the reasons I think that they were interested in talking fictional uh, town called Arkansas. It's supposed to be southwestern uh, part of Arkansas. Uh, now, you may or may not be able to tell it from the way I'm speaking, though if I go back home, it'll sound a little bit more like what you might be expecting, but I'm originally from a little town, well, not so little town, called Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, hey. but, but my father, father's people came from a little town called Stillwell, Oklahoma, which was about six miles from the Arkansas border. Okay. And wow. So, so I spent a good chunk of my childhood because uh, almost every other weekend we would go to Stillwell, um, and so I spent a lot of time stomping around down in in that part of the country. And uh, uh, Stillwell's a little further no north than where where this town is uh, is supposed to be, where Shakespeare is supposed to be. But still, I have a pretty good handle on those people because. Uh, you take Stillwell folks and Arkansas folks or whatever, they're all pretty much the same people. And, you know, they just sit down. Would they agree? Would, would, do you think they would? <laughs> uh, you think, you know, because the thing about it is, you know, that's just a border. You know, no one cares about that. We drive across the border all the time. And my favorite place to eat in the whole entire world uh, is a steakhouse. And it's called Tawny Town. Now, this is a tiny little town. We're, we're not talking about. It's basically what what back home we refer to as a wide place on the road. <laughs> um, and um, can we and, use that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Tawny Town has this little tiny steakhouse called the Venetian Inn, and um, it's web link. People, people come from all the surrounding towns to come eat at this tiny uh this tiny little restaurant it, it's, it seats maybe i don't know 50 people maybe for the whole restaurant or whatever um but uh and for the longest time the floor wasn't even even you would go in if you dropped a, a, a quarter it would roll all the way across the restaurant because the floor was handed and it had a tile floor now the last time i was there they'd actually fix things up and it's a bit Best and so I drive whenever I go back home to Tulsa. One of the things I usually do is I hop in a car and I will drive from Tulsa, Oklahoma to Tawny Town, Arkansas. People, everybody thinks I'm insane. I said, no, you have to go with me. And so they have the number seven uh, that uh, it now says on the menu steak for two. Now it never said that when I was younger. It's a 32 ounce piece of meat <laughs> with these wonderful rolls and all this other stuff. So. Um, but also to, I've got family in Siloam and in Rogers and all this other kind of stuff. And so I spent a lot of time stomping that ground. And the thing about it is, is like whenever teens, I, what you say, or like, like how old were you when you were, uh, well, again, uh, you know, uh, still again, from the time I was born until I was in college, uh, like, like I said, that time period, like I said, almost every other weekend, I was in Stillwell and knocking around in that part of the world. And hmm. so uh, this, this is a familiar place uh, and everything I was going through. I said, yep, I know who this person is. I know exactly who this person is because I've, I've met this fellow before and I've, I've, I've been around these people before. So anyway, these are home folks to me. That's, that's one of the things that I, it's, it's nice about reading this book is because I understand these people. I, and what about even the women? Um, uh, again, I, I recognize all of those people, whenever they're talking about the Shakespeare combined church, for instance, and they're talking about all the church ladies, there's, yep. I know all those mm -hmm. people. The, the Winthrop's not so much, you know, uh, I think they're, they're, they're a little bit unusual, but uh, again, I'd actually see, I'd expect to see people like that more in Tulsa or a larger kind of city or what have you. Uh, but not that it's out of, out of completely. No, no. Yeah. High society in the South. I mean. too is, is, you know, my folks were, you know, uh, we, we were never rich folks, but we, we were had all kind of, now my, my uncle JL was the, and, um, knew everybody and everybody dropped by his house. And the one thing I like to tell people all the time is say, Wilma Mankiller, who of course was the, the head of the Cherokee nation for a number of years, used to come and have, have coffee at his house all the time. And so every once in a while I'd see Wilma Mankiller sitting there and, and, uh, and so, oh yeah, here's the head of the 
Cherokee Nation just parked on his couch. Uh, really? um, and so, um, but anyway, small town is a small town. Um, so Will saying sounds a lot, a lot like the little town I call uh, lived in called Humble, mm-hmm. Texas. My dad was the, the game warden there. Yeah, I mean, just, ah, okay. little small towns in the South, you know, there's quite a bit of sameness to them, you know, uh, but particularly right there around the Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texarkana area, yeah. that's all kind of one thing. And so, uh, but anyway, wonderful people. And uh, like I said, one of the reasons why I really connected whenever you guys said, hey, we, we'd like to have you come in and work on this, this story is, is that I, I really felt like I understood, you know, un- understood these people. One of the things I think we wanted to kind of talk about today and address is becoming Shakespeare's champions is sort of, uh, you know, so, so a little bit of pun for those of you who, who, uh, who, who know the second book here, uh, Shakespeare's champion, Shakespeare's champion. Yeah. Uh, but, um, one of the things that's really important to me, uh, and I know this is very important to both Blair and to Gene about the series is that, um, Whenever, of course, I grew up as a hardcore Star Trek fan. Um, I know that might be kind of weird. You know, here's this guy who makes. Why is that weird? You know, he grew up in in Oklahoma, and he's he's a hardcore Trekkie. Um, or, or or as some people back home like to call it, Star Trek. <laughs> I watched that Star Trek. I said, Yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> um, but um, uh, anyway. So, uh, but I grew up as a, as a dragon and really crazy is that in the early days of, uh, the novels that came out of, I think it was Penguin, uh, yeah. around the time Star Trek, the motion picture, you know, of course there originally, the, there were just the Blish novelizations or Blish novels and, and some of the novelizations of the Star Trek episodes, but it wasn't really until Star Trek, the motion picture rolled out that they said, Hey, well, there's money in this. Let's let's crank out tie-in novels. Yeah. Um, and so they started cranking out Star Trek novels. Now, <clears throat> the first two or three were excellent, actually. Vonda McIntyre's uh, uh, novelization of the motion picture was awesome. <clears throat> uh, but as they rolled along for a little while, it became really clear that somebody was not being a gatekeeper for Star Trek. Um, because I picked up a book, and I can't remember what the name of it now, but I re- I'm, I'm flipping through it, and they refer to Kirk and Spock pulling out their ray guns. Um, and of course, we all knew we started. Set phasers to stun. Phaser. It's a phaser. There's a specific name for it. And, and there, were, there were a whole other list of books that had nothing at all to do with the Star Rage Me Beyond Leaf because he says, Have you ever even seen, has this author ever even seen an episode of Star Trek? And so. That stuck with me. Hmm. And so later on, over the years, uh, whenever, you know, whenever I got handed Ray, Raymond E. Feist's leukemia novels, um, now before, before I got hired at Dynamics, I'll be, be honest, I had never actually read any of Ray's books. I wasn't familiar with the series. I'd heard of his name. I think I'd seen his, I think I'd seen his books in bookstores, but beyond that, I had no familiarity whatsoever uh, with his universe or his characters. Um, but whenever they said, okay, we need you to adapt these novels and go through them and, uh, and, uh, for this particular game, uh, I approach it says, okay, I'm, I'm going to make this game for the fans of the series, uh, because I don't want to have a fan, someone who's playing our game, have the same response that I'd had whenever I read that awful Star Trek novel say, this is not, this is not the, the world that I recognize. The Earth's are not characters that I recognize. Um, and I said, it's my job to be the gatekeeper and said, this is a world you recognize. These are characters you're going to, to start, you know, these characters should sound the way they should sound in the books. Um, and I made it my job to become Raymond E. Feist's shadow. Um, and so, um, well, promoter in a lot of sense, right? You're promoting the stories. You are. Well, and, and also too, there's the, the larger issue is if you get a license 
or a book or a movie or what have you, what is acquiring that license if you're not going to actually have you know, represent that license as accurately as you possibly can? Now, obviously, yeah. there are points. There are going to be points of departure where you say because of technical reason, here's something else where, okay, the town can't be as big as it is because it would be, you know, take us 10 years to develop the, the entire town and all the details. So you have to figure about what you have to call and what you, you adapt and, and what you leave in there. But those are, those are kind of secondary issues. The, the, the main thing you say is that this must be recognizable as whatever this property is. Kind it's got to feel like the author's world, right? And, and that's one of the things that I want. The one thing I will say, and I'm just going to toot my horn just a little bit here, and I apologize. No, no, um, this is good. This is good. Um, is that, that the biggest compliment that I got to that game was that for a number of years, people all thought Raymond E. Feist wrote the game. Uh, and the, and the, reality, the, the reality situation was is that uh, whenever I, I approached that story, is we I, I noticed that there was a twenty year gap between the end of A Darkness at Sethanon and Princess of the Blood, and I said, let's set a brand new story in the middle, right smack dab, ten years in the middle of that gap. Um, and so players, first of all, have no idea what to expect. You know, they know certain characters are going to survive, or, or, or they, and so. There are, you know, several characters that are not in the book prior to that, and so I've introduced new characters, so we don't know whether they're going to live or to die. Uh, spoiler: Gorath dies. Okay. Uh, um, uh, I got hate letters for that. And by the way, I have I have a young lady named Katarina who is from uh, originally from from Russia, but she lives in Georgia these days, and she wrote me a rather heartrending story whenever she became a teenager about how the fact that. Whenever she was playing the game with her father, she cried for days afterwards that that I killed Gorath. Not that we try to make people cry, but that that is the sign of a good story, right? Where you care about these dramatic instances, and that you know, losing a character is like losing a good friend. Yeah, well, I mean, there is investment, and so people are chatting over here about uh, about Star Trek. Uh, uh, or what have you. Um, hey, look, I love to talk Star Trek. This is not the Star Trek podcast. <laughs> well, I, I will use that. Uh, they were asking if I was doing conventions. And, uh, Neil, I do do conventions. Uh, uh, actually, uh, the, uh, every year I do a Comic Con because that's here in my, my, my town here. And so I've got two panels coming up this year, one of which is writing for the computer gaming industry. Uh, and uh, uh, both uh, Blair and Gene were on our panel last year at Comic Con. It was a blast having them there to kind of talk about story styles. That was really and, wild. Uh, glad to have them. And then we've also got Heroes at the Mic, which is a panel uh, where I'm getting together a bunch of podcasters who handle geeky subjects. Uh, and it's also an opportunity for me to kind of plug my upcoming uh, radio drama series. And we'll talk about yeah. that later. Okay. Uh, um, but anyway, so anyway, so. Uh, Anyway, the the point of all this being is that that our, our my my big goal whenever they brought me apart uh, board was to say here's the world of Shakespeare let's render this in as exacting a detail as possible and also paying attention to the way the characters speak so that whenever you they they speak in the game they <coughs> take a way that that is familiar and that you understand yeah yeah so of course one of the big issues that we come we kind of come up to you know. Uh, is is that how how do are, are we going to be to what the original game what the original story was and what we do with player narrative because um, it's still a game so it is still a game and yeah. so you know our, our point here is not to have you just thumb through digital pages of text uh, they will be there I mean that's that's one of the, the one of the things about uh, the format of all the games that that one more story game says is they have they're not afraid to put text on the screen you know uh you know ooh, ooh reading's terrible um no um so well uh, you do it in a way that in that honors the voice of the author right and and that also brings that world to life and also emphasizes the characters within that world the setting of that world um 
you know, I'm very happy of where we've got the engine now. There's so much more I want to do. But in particular, when you have a mystery story and you've got, you know, I guess in Shakespeare's Landlord, I counted about 50, 55 characters. That's just people that are referred to. Now, Neil, you've gone through the books. Where are we at now? What's what's the final count of characters now? For well, the, the, right now, uh, I have a list of 226, I think, characters. And that's not even including all the characters that show up in Shakespeare's Christmas because Shakespeare's Christmas yeah. actually takes place in a different town uh, and I'm going to add those things into the database because they're important for Lily's backstory and and that sort of thing. Uh, but, and, and who's to say you can't call home in the middle of Shakespeare's Landlord? Right, right. And so, but the the important fact and the thing about for me is is that um, I went through the books and if you got a name, if you got mentioned, if you do whatever, I created an entry for them in our database. We have a huge honking database now locations and characters and and everything and so uh, uh that was because there's gonna be some point where we go oh okay uh lily's making this decision you know they're gonna uh, we're gonna have her kind of go off the track so this doesn't happen in the novel well she needs to go find a psychologist or she needs to go find a police officer who's not cloud friedrich uh or or one of these people who is she gonna go talk to and the beautiful thing about it is is now we can say well look in the database i've got okay there's 12 police officers who sh- Who's the most likely to be have been there and to be yep. someone to go talk to? And so we now we have the because we have this huge database. And the one thing I will say, I'll say about Charlene, she does not skimp on people <laughs> or locations. <laughs> no, and I mean that's I think that's it's very much you get a feeling as you read the books that how the texture of that town and and how the Shakespeareans are like. They're, they're like their little buzzing hive of stuff that's going on, right? And that's what I really want to try to capture is that if you talk to one character and you give in, in exchanging information that you provide information, then that should have ripple effects throughout the whole town as the gossips start going and, and, you know, that's, and you've got to know the people to be able to understand those social dynamics, Right. So that's, you need to understand that and be able to break it all down. Well, and that's one of the things too, is that, so for what is the first book, Shakespeare's Landlord, it's, 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 that's sort of the, the construct, the structure of the first game. Uh, but one of the things that I was rather adamant that I needed to go through the entire series of books and meet everyone there is to meet because there's some of these people that we, you know, even though they're not mentioned landlord, they might be interesting people to go meet and talk to yes. uh, in the first game. And so uh, one of the big discoveries that I found in book four is that half of everybody in the town's related to each other, which again, Shakespeare's Trollope. Yeah. And Shakespeare's Trollope. Uh, yeah. it, well, o- open up to the first couple of pages. There's a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I'm about a uh, quarter of the way through Trollope right now. So, uh, yeah. But you've read them all though now, right? Well, I've read all of them. I'm I've read all of them. Other, like I said, with Christmas because I knew it was set outside, and I was you know done whatever. I have I'm about a quarter of the way through Christmas, um, and so again I've been kind of going through and adding you know uh, database. The main thing I, I I I wanted to go into Christmas and get information on was her sister Verena, uh, her mom and her dad, yep. and, and that stuff simply because that's really important because uh, those characters play, uh, particularly, or, you know, uh, Verena's husband we know actually helped kind of support Verena whenever Lily was going through her trauma. And so this is stuff that's really important, kind of Lily's brain, even though we're not meeting, we're not interacting with a lot of those other characters in, in her hometown. Uh, those people still have an impact on Lily's state of mind and the way she'd be approaching certain problems. And this is the thing, actually, and I think when you read through all of Christmas, I'm, I'm listening to the audio books at night, so that's how I'm working through the stories. Um, um, but I think the effects of Christmas have a greater effect on the long-term story arc of Lily Bard. 
mm-hmm. that it, I, 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 I definitely assume that from from what I've read so far. There is a big event in there that that, and I mean, it's funny because for all the things that we've said in in working through Charlene's work, which speaking of which, we are working on getting Charlene to join us on the podcast, uh, probably in uh, in July, so very soon. So we're going to have her on, but. One of the things that's difficult is you reach these. I was reading Landlord and I, I hit chapter five. Uh-huh. Okay. And I had to put. Right. Yeah. And I had to put down the book and I turn over to Gene and I say, what are we going to do about this? Right. Well, we have talked about it and we have answers, but. For most people, that would not be an easy thing to adapt for a game, for anything, right? And I mean, uh, and we'll get to the sort of um, some of the others. I mean, in Shakespeare's Champion, the last scene of that story is pretty intense. And there's dealing with some of the racial tensions in Shakespeare that, I mean... I want to bring all of these characters to life, but inhabiting the mindset of some of the villains in these stories will be challenging. It's it's pretty brutal stuff that goes on, but I think that makes for great drama. That makes for a great narrative story because ordinary people have to then rise up against that drama or that kind of that nastiness are you going to be the person that stands idly by, or are you actually going to take a stand? And that makes for an interesting game, too. Well, it's it's the old thing, and you hear writers talk about this all the time, is the fact that your, your story is only as good as your villain. You know? Um, uh, sure. Because- but you can have, like, the mustache-twirling, you know, um, nut job. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and even then, I mean, you look at the actors who have played the Joker in Batman, and they have all said that they carry some emotional baggage with this character because of the intensity of that character, right? The Joker I mean, from the recent series of, of Batman movies. I mean, theoretically, they said Heath Ledger, you know, he died because he basically ingested the Joker to the degree that, that he couldn't really handle it. Yeah. Who knows to what degree that's true because he's not around to say, Oh yeah, that's what took me over the edge. But, but that's what a lot of people. Say. It might be a little sensationalized, but there might be a little bit of truth there, but I mean, and that's, I want to make Charlene's characters very, very real. They should feel real and they should be authentic and true for the people who they are and the evil that they do. And that's, I mean, and so in particular with, the one scene we're thinking about in Shakespeare's Landlord, chapter five, if you haven't read it, folks, we're going to deal with that next week. We're going to get into that in a little more detail, I think. But it's, believe you me, I don't want to have a game that is a simulator of extreme violence. That's not what we're about, but you should be able to appreciate in the story the brutal things that people have been through and survived. Well, the thing about the thing about that chapter that's important is the fact that, uh, and it's one of those things that we have to kind of wrestle with it is that it is a cha- a chapter which fundamentally changes Lily Bard yep. from a fairly cheerful, happy, you know, God worship to someone who is very dark uh she's gone had a very rough road and so the the question is is say that if we allow her to happens and if so how does that impact the the rest of the book because so much of shakespeare's landlord requires her to be that darker character um and so if if we don't if we allow her to change, is there an entirely <laughs> different narrative uh, that, that sits there because a different Lily experiences it? Uh, because it, it, is, it, is, it's an, it is that that particular scene, that particular chapter is foundational to her character. Uh, yep. And so 
the big question we get to and we have to wrestle with is as we go along with the development is you know there are various scenes throughout the books i mean five and number one is probably the most important in that regard but there are some other things too along the way that if we allow them to go a slightly different way uh, it has a big impact not only just on sort of the plot point kind of stuff but also who characters are and, and why they do things. Um, well, and and Lily does have a definite arc within the stories. You know, she is, she does evolve as a character, and I think that's great to see that. And I think it should be great for the players to participate in that arc if we do this right. 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 Well, and, and the thing is, is that's the point. It is a game. It is not a book. And so we want to give them points of departure or what have you. But the, one of the things that, that um, you know, that, that's kind of interesting is, is so we're discussing a, a scene with, with five, um, which I will just go ahead and spoil a little bit here uh, or whatever. Uh, okay. Okay, hang on, hang on. We're still, um, people are still reading and we've okay. said okay. that next week. Okay. Right. Does that ruin your point? I mean, I'm, yeah, no, sorry, man. No, it doesn't. But the. Also, the... can I say one other thing? I no. would love to have Gene here for that talk. Of course. Absolutely. Is that fair? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, the, but the point is, is that uh, one of the things that happens with Lily in this book is that about every five chapters, she gets into a fight. Simulated <laughs> or, or real, I mean. Charlene <laughs> uh, Char- really loves her gym sequences. Um, um, and so uh, if you're into karate, you will love these books. Uh, because about every every second or third chapter is in the gym working out, um, but um, but there are some some uh, but there's some some fight sequences and there's some things that are there's a, there are sex scenes in sure there are and yeah. it's in the book. Do we put it in the book? Do we allow it to be interactive? Does you I'm know just enjoying my hot coffee over here? Don't mind me. <laughs> And so, you know, so are, we're going to have a fight. So do we do we have a fight simulator? Do we have a fight system? I mean, we're, whenever we approached this particular thing, uh, particularly this, this as a game, you know, uh, are, are, do, are we going to have a combat system? Or a system? And beyond that, is she going to have a second? Well, as your chief engineer, I can say no. Uh, we will get there. We will get there. There's long been a plan of how we would do that. And again, honoring combat and violence so that it has meaning and it has consequences. It's not just throw. I mean, I suppose you could choose to write, you know, I I just watched John Wick last night for, uh, you know, for kicks and giggles. And I mean, if you want senseless action, I mean, by the time you've killed and seen the 50th bad guy blown up and shot. Okay. But I mean, well, also, we're telling you approach it in a, a slightly different way of kick his knee, you know, or yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a strategy. I mean, there is also very much, if you've seen any of um, Robert Downey Jr. Shake um, Sherlock Holmes stories, his movies, there's very much a strategy when he is fighting. And I think if we do Lily right, there's going to be a lot of that strategy that you'll get to participate in that still honors the character yet simulates the violence that way. But uh, for now, I mean, the big thing is just, and, and for like the sex scenes, I, I think, you know, Anthony is our artist is going to look forward to do lots of little cut scene mm-hmm. shots of that, you know, um, but again, these are going to be the choices. You're Sorry. You're going to have those L shaped sheets that you always see in the movies where the sheet, you know, is up to here on the woman and the guy is bared down to the waist. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, she's got to be comfortable, uh, right? Come on. Right. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, these are all questions that we're going to answer in different podcasts as we go along. And as, I mean, Anthony, we're, I think we're getting closer to where we can start showing some of the art in the game. I think I'd like to do something very soon with you, Neil, where we have the map of Shakespeare and we talk about how we've pieced all these locations together. And uh, 
I think that would make for a great podcast. Oh, that was there was some archaeology in, in, involved in all of that uh, because there are some cases in which you know you know she would explicitly say here's the house it's on this street you know blah 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 and there's some other cases where well in order to extrapolate where the house is you say okay this is near this one thing which is near this other thing which is near this other thing and so that this can only be here. Um, uh, I, and I, then in the I, next book, she tells you exactly where it is. <laughs> um, or she she changed things on me a, a couple of times. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. The, 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 still... the, police, the police station moved. Uh, well, actually, it changed what it was. Because in, it was in the first or the second book, she describes it in being a, a renovated a pharmacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a pharmacy because if you read book four, it's in a a remodeled ranch house. Uh, <laughs> and so, but anyway, well, that's the sheriff's office. Of course, this is what happens whenever you have a, a an author writing a series of books over seven years or what. Well, we should have done the game sooner. Then you know this is. <laughs> so, I think the first book is in '96, and I think the last one is in 2000. Something yeah. that actually made me very curious uh, was. Uh, where is Lily now? Yeah, that's um, and what's interesting is because Bobby or Bobo Winthorpe um, is a character in Charlene's recent series of Midnight Texas, and Please, in the broke up there for a second. Okay, in in Midnight Texas, Charlene's recent series. Bobo or Bobby, as we'll call him, is a character, and he actually, in the most recent book, he talks about Lily Bard. He talks about how Lily Bard has been an influence on his life. And so that's very interesting. We'll see if that plays up in the I see, I think the ultimate compliment to you and my to you and myself is that if by the end of this, Charlene wants to go back and write a sixth book. Yeah, well, that's actually kind of my goal. Yeah, well, you know, I mean... I made, we have... I, made, I made Ray write another three books. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> See, that's credit. That's, that's you know, that's honoring the author and having... I mean, in a kind of sense, and I've talked to this before about Gene, it's kind of like we get to play in this toy box, this imaginings of this great writer, and, you know, we really get to play with these characters and, and kind of play pinball of like what happens if the ball goes this way and bounces off this person. And, you know, that's, I enjoy that stuff. I love that stuff. I'll just take you. I'm sorry. We've been kind of ignoring the, the, the question. No, no, I'm sorry. We got into it there. Sorry, Neil. That's, uh... that's right. Um, so it says, have you ever visited William Shakespeare's birthplace? Yes, I have. Um, oh, really? Whenever, yeah. Uh, whenever I was a, uh, Whenever my I was 16 years old, my brother had been working construction all summer, and he came home. He says, "I'm going to go to England for the summer. Do you want to go with me?" And I said, hmm, "No, no, <laughs> no, no." Um, but uh, so we took the most insane trip you could ever imagine. And the thing about it is, I loved it. I enjoyed every moment of it. But it was nothing but a disaster from one end to the other. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I would not want to do it the same way again now. Kind of fun because I think actually my brother's over there right now. He and his wife are. So, so uh, on the scale, then would you say like a Mr. Bean holiday versus you know National Lampoon's holiday? Where would you say the level of disaster went there? I will. I will tell you one tiny little story here to give you. you said this was typical of the entire trip. So. <laughs> um, uh, we had we'd gone to the local travel agency uh, that was in my home my hometown. So I, I, I my home my house was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but I went to schools in Sand Springs, which is immediately next to it. So I mean they're five miles apart. Um, but anyway, we went to the local travel agency, and the travel agency had arranged all the stuff, including our our uh, our where we were going to stay in Paris, and so uh, because we did England, Ireland, Scotland. Uh, and France, 17 days, uh, nonstop. <laughs> um, but um, it was crazy. So anyway, like, we we get to Paris. 
And uh, so we, we go out, out the, the front gate. Of course, keep in mind too, is that I speak four or five things in French, you know, um, you know, beyond voulez-vous coucher avec moi, uh, but... Just <laughs> 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 sweet idiot, okay, all right. Um, um, uh, but, uh, so we don't speak French uh, or other than just a handful of, of phrases that we knew we were going to know, uh, need to know. So I go up to a taxi cab driver and I show him the address of this hotel we're supposed to go to. And the guy looks at the piece of paper and hands it back to us. And he's just, eh. and we just go, okay, that's weird. So we try another taxi cab driver, same reaction. And it, uh, looks at the piece of paper, hands it back to us, just shrugs, and it, where go? What's going on? So I said, I decide, okay, we need to bribe. Who wants a bribe? Okay, they want a bribe. Okay, whatever. All right, fine, whatever. So I, I, I hand them some francs, no reaction. Still hands me the bag. We don't know what's going on. So no one will take us to our hotel. And so it's raining, you know, uh, it's just coming down in buckets. And we're just, we're just kind of walking around with our bags, trying to find someone who will take us to our hotel, and we have no clue how to get there. So we're wandering around for an hour or two in downtown Paris, no clue where we're going, how, uh, where the hotel is. Um, and we, we, we did find a, a Paris map. I opened it up. I can't find, I can't find where this is supposed to be. Uh, because the Paris map is, you know, kind of the highlight. Here's the Rudy Lafayette and and all this good stuff, and but but not a lot of details to it. Um, so uh, uh, so later on, after we've been wandering through the city all day, you know, just like I say, it's been raining on us all day. We have no clue where we're going to go. My brother uh, parks me on a park bench. So Gene's twenty four, twenty five years old. He throws all of our bags at us. He says, "Stay here." I'm gonna go find the hotel. I can make more ground with just me if if uh, we're not carrying bags and everything. You can swap the bags and stay here. So I'm sitting here on a park bench in the rain um, with all the bags going. I have no idea what's going on. I don't know if I'm gonna survive. And so I'm talking to people randomly walking by. Um, and then eventually we we uh, Gene comes back about a, a half an hour later. He says our hotel is three blocks that way. Um, and the problem was is that our travel agents. Uh, travel agent had put the wrong name for the street. So instead of Bucult, it was Buffont or something like that. Our whole trip was like that for 17 days. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And the thing about it was is you know, uh, uh, that wasn't my only experience with, with wandering around lost in the rain. We also we were, ended up in Ireland and the, the ferry broke down and I had to sleep on a park bench in the middle of a roundabout in Dunleary, Ireland. <laughs> So you would say you were Rusty Griswold then? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, uh, so uh, anyway, so it was a crazy trip, but I really intensely loved it. Uh, I have always been an Anglophile and a Francophile and Irishophile, whatever, whatever you call, whatever you call that. Uh, I mean, I. So I, you have actually been to Shakespeare's birthplace then? We, during our trek. Uh, yes, during our trek, we definitely stopped at, at, at seeing, you know, Avon and, and seeing all of that good stuff. And so saw saw his birthplace. Um, um, so to answer that question in a really long rambling way, yes, I did. Uh, so um, uh, we're... Um, we should be sort of wrapping up here, I think. Wrap up. So, again, so... We're, we're world building, uh, world building out of Charlene's books, and uh, that's the most important thing for for us. Is that it's kind of a different process because ordinarily when you're building a game, you're sitting down, you're making up stuff, and you're building a Bible which has all the characters and places and people. And, and we don't we don't need that Bible because we have five novels out of which to to extract all this information. But the the big one of the big hurdles first was to capture all that information. And so that's actually why I spent the last two and a half weeks. Sift through it. And, and I mean, you, I mean, for me, I have been focusing more on the first book mm -hmm. just because I wanted to sort of start laying down the tracks. So my approach has been to, am I cutting out there? You did for a second, but you're back. Okay. My approach has been to go through a PDF version of the book and highlight all of the people, all of the locations, all of the anything a prop is in there and topics of conversation like when 
an infor- a piece of information is revealed. And having that is then forming the guidelines for the story flow. And then we're going to break off and to do other branches. And that's, that's currently where we're at. And I, and I hope that we can wrap that up in the next week and a bit here so that we've got our framework and we know what it is that we're going to build within the engine. But, uh, but we can talk a lot more about that in, um, in, in upcoming podcasts. Um, this has been really cool, Neil. I'm really glad that that you were available, that we could talk through and do all this stuff. Um, I'd love to get you back for some more as we start developing and have stuff like to do show and tell. If that's cool, we can sort of, you know, or, or, or maybe as you sort of get closer to Comic-Con, you can start talking about some of the events that you're seeing there and, you know, meeting with other authors there. Uh, we will do our best to fly you up for... The launch party, I can't promise anything yet, but this is the other thing. Hopefully, we'll have lots to play of the game in October the 11th in Toronto. Well, well, you, you better, because my birthday is on 17th. So, you know, that's my birth, birthday present is this getting done. So, Okay. All right. Okay, that sounds good. But, but, um, and I, I get to come back to Canada. I haven't been, been to Canada since I was a kid. We went to Winnipeg whenever I was munchkin. Uh, long family tricks, and that's a whole other series of stories. And we're here to talk about Charlene, though. Okay, yeah, exactly. Since <laughs> uh, we're in kind of wrapping everything up here, uh, we're going to probably run through some uh, some contact information for the podcast here. Uh, and so uh, if you go ahead and check out, we've got uh, podcast and one uh, game. We'll get to answering your question. Uh, and everything, uh, please go ahead and drop us a line. And so either Blair or Gene or I will try to answer that question. Or if it's something, you know, about one more story games, about story stylists, they will definitely be the people that answer your question. Check, uh, drop us a line there. Uh, if you want to find out more about Lily Bard uh, or what's going on with the project, uh, go ahead and hit Lily Bard online. I think there's a... There are some updates that are coming really soon. So, so definitely drop by there, guys. And there's, there's, isn't there a subscription link there? Or yes, for, yes, or, that's. There, there'll be some tips coming up for that as well. So that's, that's, that's Jean's neck of the woods. She's got a whole plan that she's putting together. Um, Definitely want to go and hit the Lily Bar Online site to, to get to the subs- a subscription and kind of keep up with the updates. Um, so uh, we're on Twitter at at One More Story Games. Um, it's actually the number one. So go so so go there first, and so check out one more one more story games. Uh, I am also on Twitter, so you can go find me at at Nelios, uh, and so uh, I'll I'll answer your questions about this or other crazy things I'm working on. Uh, I'm also going to take this opportunity to shill a couple of things of my own. Uh, 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 I have a radio series, the Twilight Zone. It's basically Twilight Zone on the. I have some really cool authors that uh, I'm lining up to work with us, and uh, that's a project that's kind of uh, that's going to be kind of tooling along. And so go hit our website and find out what's going on with that. And then lastly, uh, I have a horror short uh, on uh, on Amazon, which I know Blair and Jean have seen. Um, uh, but that's available on Amazon, and so I won't pull it down, but it's 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 on that shelf over there, yeah. And so watch it for free and if you don't have it uh, you can rent it or download it there our connection and and stuff uh so uh thank you damian and and neil it's really great for both of you guys to drill and thanks for everyone who showed up one question before we go neil okay twilight zone the story video game the story video game yeah about to play that no would would you be interested in building that uh yeah, uh that would be awesome. Um, I mean the, the whole stack because I told everybody said so there is a triumvirate that I have to to write stories for and have produced before I die. So okay. I Star Trek and Doctor Who. I have to have have one of those produced in each one of those three things before I die. And so the one good thing that you have about me still being drawing a breath is the fact that those have not been accomplished yet. Okay, well, I can tell you we have discussed at least one of those in terms of 
Yes. And and we're getting close to maybe another one of those. And then I'll have to see about the third. But we'll but I will we'll see what we can do. Story styles has some great things that are gonna be coming along, but that's a whole other podcast. We're gonna start with this for now. But um it's already a great pleasure to work with you, sir. And uh, here's to telling great stories and going from there. And thank you, everyone, for, for showing up. And at some point in the future, I'll come in and I'll, I'll pester these people online again. And Oh, no. All right, Neil. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks. And, and good to see everybody here. Bye-bye. Cheers.